Welcome back, Statesman viewers. I missed you guys. It's been almost two weeks since we last recorded, and it's been a week and a half since we last put out an episode. We have a goal of putting out one episode of the Statesman Sports Spotlight per week. This episode obviously helps continue the streak to seven weeks, but it has not been a consistent seven weeks. Though we interview the guests, we do not book the guests. That's entirely up to the response time and willingness of Stony Brook Athletics or the hockey team, depending on whoever we're trying to get. Uh, this episode format is a little bit different from episodes past. Obviously, this is an interview podcast, but we don't have any interview subjects today. Uh, nobody answered their email or text messages on time, so here we are. Instead, I've brought you guys my assistants, Matt Howland and Kenny Spirell. They are on the show with me today. Say hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Good to be here. Good to be here, everyone. Uh, and uh, we're going to discuss relevant and recent news surrounding Stony Brook Sports. How does that sound, everybody? Good time. Good to me. All right. And then for you listening, um, in the coming weeks, we are trying to get back to our regular schedule, uh, recording late in the week and putting episodes out early the next week. So we're going to be back to our regular format. Uh, keep your eyes open for Gino Ford. He's on our hit list of, uh, of um, you know, interview subjects. Frankie Policelli and Tyler Stevenson-Moore. They're the co-captains of the men's basketball team. We tried getting them on last week. That fell through. Um, we also recently had the, uh, we, we won the, let's restart that. One of our uh, women's volleyball players recently won CAA Rookie of the Year, so we are interested in having her on too to discuss that. And uh, without further ado, let's get uh, let's get to the show at hand today. So we're gonna start with the men's soccer team. Now they had a disastrous first year in the CAA. Pretty much what could go wrong went wrong. I mean, what do you guys have to say about them? Um, honestly, just struggles on offense all season long. They got shut out nine times and just couldn't put together a consistent offensive game. Right. 16 game season too. They were shut out nine times. That's uh that's that's a recipe for disaster. They were tied with UNCW for uh lowest scoring offense in the conference, only one goal per game, 16 goals in 16 games. And then considering the fact that they scored four goals in one game, that's uh that shows you just how bad they really were. Yeah, I mean, the the defense wasn't much better. You know, they uh, were only able to get one clean sheet for the whole season. You know, they were second in total saves, but only six in save percentage. So that goes to show the the struggles on defense and, you know, keeping the, the ball away from the net. Yeah, they didn't do a very good job in their own third. Um, obviously, they allowed a lot of opportunities. Opponents shot, I think, 48% on goal against them, which is, uh, you know, you're making life hell for your your two goalkeepers. And, of course, there are two goalkeepers that we saw this year, uh, Edmund Kaiser, the starter, and Curtis Copenhaver, the backup. Obviously, you know, we profiled him earlier in the year. He got some playing time. They did a good job. They were the strength of the team, but – when you're relying solely on the goalkeepers to keep you in the game, that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, one problem that they always had, and Ryan Anatole says it every post-game interview when they lose, is when the other team scores first, that allows them to set the tone. That allows them to control the pace. And too often, way too often, the men's soccer team found themselves trailing early. 5-11 and 11 overall, but were they 2-6 and six in conference play? Six. 
Two and six, yeah. That, their shutouts came in conference play. Yes, absolutely. And there was a stretch in the month of September. Might have even bled into October. It was so long. They were shut out. They 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 lost six games in a row, and they were shut out five times in that six game span. They, they practically scored two goals in a three week span. That's that's just not going to get it done. And obviously, this team. Had a lot of questions coming in. You know, last year's team was a playoff team. It was a home playoff team, 8-6-1 and one overall, 4-4 four and four in conference play. Very competitive America East with UNH and Vermont both going to the NCAA tournament. Um, they lost Gabe Fernandez, starting midfielder, six-year player and team captain. The guys loved him. They rallied around him. He was gone. Corey Cupid, another midfielder. He was their best player overall. He's gone. And Aki Silvasen on the attack was their best scorer. And he went back home. So they were already without their three best players. And now they're moving to the CAA. It was a recipe for disaster. And I think it kind of went as expected. And you can look at it as a good thing that it went as expected, that they they weren't a disappointment. I believe the preseason polls had them picked eighth out of 10 in the conference, and they finished in eighth place in the conference. So luckily for them, they weren't a disappointment. But a disaster is a disaster. Yeah, and I mean, they got out to a good start, you know, they started three and one, um, but then after that, it just dropped off, you know, they went on a six game losing streak, uh, three of those, you know, were, it was three straight uh, scoreless games, you know, we saw, we saw good things uh, early in the season, you know, we saw Cam Blaze, you know, we saw Cam a game straight, and then he didn't score for the rest of the season after that, so. Yeah, so his minutes cut, um, obviously some other things that went into that, but, you know, there were, uh, there I think a reason why this team is disappointing, and you can ask Alex Stringer, our overly dedicated men's uh, soccer beat reporter, this team is good. Like, this team is talented. There, there's no shortage of talent. Obviously, Yon Jelicic, uh, freshman defender, he just made the all-rookie team. Bruno Penny's another freshman who's a good player. He was in the starting lineup more often than not. Um, Jonas Bichkus, I mean... What more can you say about him? He's a stud. America East Rookie of the Year last year, and uh, and then had I think six goals this year. This year, six goals. Right, had a pair of multi goal games. So that's a uh, you know no shortage of talent there. Cameron Blaze is a stud. Um, Moses Bakabalindi transfer right. He's uh he's, yeah he's a sophomore and he's he's like um and this is no disrespect to him but he's like a poor man's Cam Blaze. Um, obviously he has the potential to reach if not bypass Cam Blaze right now in his development. He's probably a little behind Cam, but he's very fast, got good handles, scored a couple goals early. You know, he's a stud. I, I think this this men's team has some guys to look forward to in the future, but if the pieces are there now, why weren't they winning now? You know, if the goaltending is strong, if you've got some fast guys, if you've got some good scorers, you got some good midfielders, right? I mean, Amit Magos, Alex says that he is the best player on the team. You know, another new addition. Why'd they go five and eleven? Why did they get shut out more often than not? So I guess that's pretty much where we'll leave that. Of course, the offseason probably will bring more trouble for them. Like we just said, they lost Fernandez, Cupid, and Solvasen last year. And now this offseason, they're gonna lose Rondell Payne, Evan Peters, two six-year veterans, starting defenders for a long time, very good players. They're gone, they're out of eligibility. And Trusty Burgesson, midfielder. Uh, probably their best passer led the team in assists last year. Um, you know, they, they use him on, on their corner kicks and on their free kicks and, uh, and he's gone too. He's out of eligibility. Their team captain defender, Sebastian Rojek. I believe not only is he graduating, I think he's graduating this semester. So 
they're just going to keep turning over the roster. And, you know, if they're going to keep losing their best players, solutions are going to have to come from either a strong recruiting class or they're going to have to get some transfers. So I don't know how they how they patch the holes. Obviously, head coach Ryan Anatole managed to patch the holes last year and lead the team to the playoffs. He's going to have to hope for another quick turnaround here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think all hope is lost. The loss of, you know, uh, Trusty and Rondo Payne and Evan Peters this year, you know, that's going to that's gonna be tough. But they're just going to have to see, you know, the younger guys uh, step up a little bit. You know, like you said, Amit Magos and uh, Moses Bakabalindi, you know, they were third and fourth on the team in scoring. And, um, you know, both sophomores, uh, Moses, uh, you know, he's a hometown kid. I think he's from... Um, Center Reach, I, I want to say. I believe Center Reach, yeah. Uh, you know, I've talked to him. He's he's lightning fast, and he's also probably about five four with cleats on. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Amit too. You know, um, you're gonna have to see guys step up next year. You know, uh, Jonas is Jonas. You know, Jonas Bichkus. He had the he had an amazing freshman year, and you know he's able to tack on to that. You know, this year, uh, he's gonna have to lead this team, and they're gonna have to make some good additions in the offseason to replace what they're losing yeah absolutely and of course you know the losses they only start there we don't know what the transfer portal is going to bring right I mean there's guys like Trevor Harrison very good midfielder second leading scorer on the team this year I believe he's a just finished his junior year obviously you'd love to have him back next year year four but who knows right I mean when the team is as as bad as they were this year do you do you put your name in the transfer portal Especially and and look for outs? Seeing college sports players are moving at a rapid rate now. Right, absolutely. You know, NIL is not making that any easier. I mean, we know for a fact that uh, Cameron Blaze put his name in the transfer portal. You know, that's a huge loss. Yeah. I mean, that's he's probably their most talented offensive player. Uh, so that's definitely this offseason has the potential to really doom this team, which obviously you don't want to see happen. As the newcomers in the CAA, you would like to see them pick it up fast, but uh, but only time will tell. We've been surprised before. Expectations were low for the men's team last year, and they wound up hosting a home playoff game. So who are we to uh, to doubt them? Having said that, I think it's time we transition into the second segment of this show, which is their female counterpart, the women's soccer team. What a year for them, right? I mean, you want to talk about an emotional roller coaster. They start the year off with... The most exciting win we've seen from a Stony Brook game this year. Obviously, we cover uh, four sports in the fall, and now we're covering both basketball teams. So we're talking six sports teams we've covered. Their opening night game, before the semester even began, August 18th, I want to say, they're losing 1-0 the first 88 minutes of the game. Lynn Beck draws a penalty. She ties the game with her first career goal in her first career game. And then as the clock ticks down beneath 10 seconds, our freshman goalkeeper, Ava King, on a goal kick or a drop kick, whatever they want to call it, finds Hannah Maracina, another debuting freshman at midfield, carries the ball up to about the 20-yard line, untorks a Hail Mary, and the ball trickles in as time expires. They start the year 1-0. So they've been exciting all year round. The problem was that month of September, they were, what, 1-6-1, and 1-6-2. They were borderline unwatchable. So they uh, they had some inconsistencies, but they got the job done, right? Backs against the wall, no margin for error. They record points in each of their last five games, ascend from 10th in the standings to 6th, make the playoffs. 
I would say it was a very successful first year in the CAA. How about you guys? It was definitely an exciting one. Um, you know, there was no shortage of of memorable games this year. Like you said, you know, there was the there was the season opener, and then of course, you know, there was the twelve zero uh, win against Hampton. You know, broke the uh, program's record for goals in a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, saw uh, a bunch of freshmen. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of freshmen on the team this year and every one of them scored yes every single freshman who's not a goalkeeper Mm -hmm. scored a goal this year yeah and then there was also you know their um their last second game tying goal against drexel Mm -hmm. um you know get them a point you know that was during their uh their streak at the end of the season where they uh able to pick up some points in each of the last five games absolutely yeah now that was uh that was courtesy of course of another freshman gabrielle cote who we know matt's gonna highlight in a minute but this uh i think a big asset that this team has is its youth right i mean he you could take a look at uh professional sports today what's haunting matt's los angeles lakers the most is uh is their lack of uh their lack of youth you know when when anthony davis is the uh is the spring chicken that's uh that's a tough one this team doesn't lack youth. no (laughs) yeah well said matt um you know to to put it quite simply everybody on this team is either a true freshman redshirt freshman or sophomore right the old guys on the team right the old players riley rich who was in her first year with stony brook uh katarina von Dragalski, who still has another year of eligibility if she decides to use it kerry pearson who's a junior I mean, if those are your old players you're a very youthful team and there's a lot of reason for low expectations with young teams right i mean these these girls have never stepped foot on an NCAA pitch before, at least not in an NCAA game. You know, uh, remember, a lot of them aren't even from this country, right? Lynn Beck is from Germany. So I think the new conference, the disappointing year last year, remember, they scored less goals than they played games last year. You lose your top two scorers to graduation. All these new players, you don't know what you're going to get. The CAA coaches voted them 10th out of 12 in the standings in the preseason polls. They wind up being awesome. It turns out every single freshman here has legitimate game. The young players stepped up, right? Gabby Daniels going from freshman to sophomore year had a much better sophomore year than she did freshman year. I think this team is awesome. And not only that, I think the women's soccer team, the Stony Brook women's soccer team is going to be one of the best teams in the conference next year, just because of the youth, you know, gaining the experience, playing together as a team for a whole year. Now in year two in that same system, in that same conference, there's familiarity. They've already shown they can play. I think they're going to be awesome next year. Dark horse team to win the CAA in 2023. Yeah, I think I think their record doesn't fully reflect, you know, what kind of team this is. You know, seven, eight, and four. It's impressive. You know, they made the playoffs, but mm-hmm. it's not reflective on what they can be. You know, like you said, there's 10 freshmen on this team. Yeah. And they're all really good. Yeah. You right. Know? And then you have, um, you know, Nicolette Pascarella. She's a sophomore. Yeah, right. she had a she had a very good year. She's going to be back. Yeah, strong finish, strong finish for her. Remember, they had a revolving door at goalkeeper um, early in the year. Emerson Richmond Burke was their starter last year. I want to started the first half of the first game, and then they gave it to uh, Ava King or Jordan Wolf. They've got two freshman goalies, Ava King and Jordan Jordan Wolf. And throughout the first month, really, uh, you know, August they played four games, and then September 
they were still rotating it. Tobias Bischoff, their head coach, their very good head coach, might I add, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He he was figuring it out. You know who's going to be who's going to be the goalkeeper? Are we going to have a the goalkeeper, or is it just going to be you know? flip a coin it landed on tails okay it's going to be jordan wolf today yeah um it's a good problem to have you know it's, it's like the men's team you know it's yeah i mean curtis copenhaver was leading the caa in saves per game this year as the number two goalie so yeah it's definitely a good problem to have and i think that makes it all the more impressive when you see what pascarello was able to do and yeah, lock down that that goalkeeper job for the rest of the year play really impressed me towards the end of the season she's a vital role helping them get into the playoffs right absolutely and she had a very good uh playoff game against northeastern too she definitely kept them in it Uh, having said all that obviously kenny just touched on 10 freshmen i want to highlight i want each of us to highlight one freshman per person they can't be the same person um it's tough to pick just one but uh that's why this is fun we have to we have a tough job to do so matt who is your women's soccer freshman of the year? Um, Got to be Gabrielle Cote. She kind of broke out towards the later end of the season. Really, if it wasn't for her, this team might not make the playoffs at all. She made some clutch goals to end the season. Really a vital part of that playoff push. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to elaborate on Cote. By the way, Statesman viewers, keep your eyes open for a Gabrielle Cote profile coming early next week, probably on Sunday. We interviewed her on, what was it, Kenny Tuesday morning? Yes. So, yeah, so that will be coming out soon. But Gabrielle Cote, I mean, <laughs> she was the last, she was the only remaining freshman who hadn't scored. Wasn't a lot of time left in the season. Um, again, this was backs against the wall season. They were on the outside of the playoffs looking in. They go up to Drexel, the number one seed at the time. She scores her first two career goals in one game. The second one with five seconds left to tie the game, salvage a point. Um, and then two games later, she records an assist on a goal in a game that they only won by one, right? So right there, she assisted she she essentially was responsible for four points that the team scored and then in the final game of the regular season at Hofstra the eventual conference tournament champions she scored both goals the game tying and the game winning goal to help clinch a playoff berth so in those three games that she scored the team scored seven points the team was only six plates in the conference without Gabrielle Cote the team probably does miss the playoffs so you can argue she was she was the most valuable player on this team. Yeah. Obviously, I would probably argue it was someone else like Riley Rich or Katarina Von Drigalski, but definitely a very good pick on your behalf, Matt. Um, now, Kenny, as for you, do you have a uh, 2022 Women's Soccer Freshman of the Year? Yes, I do. And I feel like it's got to be Lynn Beck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she has a great story. You know, she's coming from Germany. Um you know, she was only 17 years old when right. the season started. She's a baby. I think she's still 17. Yeah, she might still be 17, yeah. And uh, it was her first time in the United States. And, you know, that's scary for anybody, let right. alone somebody that isn't even an, an adult yet. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, she gets here and she scores in the first game, you know, uh, against Fordham. You know, she scores against LIU and then, and, you know, the historic win in, uh, over Hampton, she has a hat trick, Yeah. Uh, you know, ends the, ends the season as the 
team second leading scorer with six goals, um, four assists, you know, good for 16 points. And I believe she made a, did she make an all, all CAA team? She was an all CAA third team selection, I believe, as well as all rookie. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's one thing that uh, both upset myself and Tobias Vischoff. This team was very overlooked really all year. I mean, like we said, they were finished, uh, they were projected to finish 10th. Uh, by the preseason poll, but also only three players received all CAA honors, and that's baffling. That's that's baffling, right? I mean, I mean, Riley Rich, Lynn Beck, Katarina, they were the ones honored, and they deserved it. But how does Hannah Maracina not make all rookie? She scored five goals. She scored two game winning goals. How does she not make all rookie? How does Gabrielle Cote not make all rookie? She had two two goal games. She won a, a rookie of the week. She might have won two. How does she get snubbed from that? You know, Gabby Daniels is a very good player, second year, uh, second year midfielder defender. Uh, she improved on her game offensively. You know, I- I'm surprised she didn't receive even like a third team honor. So. Definitely, uh, definitely a good pick on your half, on your behalf. Uh, Lynn Beck, obviously very good player. She'll probably wind up being one of the best players this this team has ever had, assuming she decides to stay here for the for the full four years. It's tough when you don't have uh, contracts in uh, in the NCAA. Now, having said that, I kind of already showed my hand um, with that. But Hannah Maracina is my freshman of the year. Five goals. The walk-off, the buzzer beater, essentially, um, to begin her career against Fordham. She scored a game-winning goal uh, later in the year. That gave them a huge three points. Obviously, I mean, when you're sixth in the conference, um, every win, every three points you can get is big. And and uh, she definitely deserves her credit for that, you know, as does Gabrielle Cote for her clutch goals. Hannah Maracina is right there with her. Uh, five goals as a freshman. That's really impressive. And, you know, she she didn't really have a definitive role this year. She played all 19 games. She only started half of them. She started 10. So that's got to be tough, uh, you know, tough to adjust to. I mean, there were some games where I was I was just looking at the box scores. and I'm like, oh, she only played like 30 minutes off the bench. Like, uh, you know, what's up with that? So obviously, you know, she's still learning the game. I know uh, Tobias Bischoff said before the season that she's got to get faster and stronger. Uh, We'll see, obviously, what the uh, coming years have uh, for her and her development. But right now, I mean, you got to be pleased with her after year one. Uh, 750 shots on goal percentage. Is that good or what? So um, definitely congratulations to the women's soccer team. And now we're going to go back to uh, to being sad. We're going to talk about the... uh, the Stony Brook football team. And, you know, this has been a historic year for the Stony Brook football team. Not a good historic year, but a historic year nonetheless. History is history. Uh, the program record for losses in a single season is eight. They achieved, well, achieved isn't the right terminology, but they uh, they they hit that low back in 1990 when they were the Division Three Stony Brook Patriots. They lost eight games in a season under former head coach Sam Kornhauser. And then again, under Sam Kornhauser, I want to say in 2000, they lost eight games. Uh, Head coach Chuck Priore, current head coach Chuck Priore, his whole NCAA career as a head coach, whether it was at uh, at Trinity or at Stony Brook, he's never lost more than seven games. He's already lost eight games this year to retie the the program record. And this Saturday at Monmouth, it um, doesn't look good. No. 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 Um, They... Monmouth, obviously, they're a susceptible team. They're the worst 
defense. They're the worst scoring defense and the worst total defense in the conference, right? So you would like to say, oh, well, then Stony Brook has a chance. You know, they can at least avoid that record-breaking ninth loss. But then you look at the other defenses they played this year. When they played Fordham, Fordham was literally the worst defense in the nation. FCS or FBS, they were the worst defense in the nation, and they put up 14 points. They went to Albany after beating Maine, right, in a thrilling comeback win on homecoming. Charlie McKee, FCS, uh, National Rookie of the Week. They go to Albany. They lose 59-14. The offense turns the ball over four times. They played Towson this past Saturday. Towson, not a good defensive team. They score 17 points. They don't run the ball well at all. Um, you know, Darren Bright in 18 of 35 passing. Bad turn. 0 for 3 in the red zone. No touchdowns and three trips. So what does matchups even mean anymore for the Stony Brook football team? Eventually, someone just has to make a play, right? I mean, who is going to make a play is, is the question. Games they won was probably the key, but he's no longer starting, it appears to seem. Yeah, that's, uh, that's okay, so this is an opinion show. This is not a fact show. Obviously, you guys know we had Charlie McKee on, like, the day before he lit up Maine on homecoming. Um, good kid, very talented quarterback, right? Throws a very catchable ball. He's got a strong arm. He can make every throw on the field, and... You know, of the four quarterbacks we've seen Stony Brook put out there, to me, he looks like he's the best one. He looks like he's intangibly the best one in every aspect, with the exception of obviously running. Josh Zaymod is flat out fast, so he he would be the best running quarterback. But running is not the it's it's the least important attribute of a quarterback. And McKee is mobile. He he makes throws on the run. Um, I don't like it that he's not playing. I respect Darren Bride, and I think he's a, a talented player, too. He's D1 for a reason. He's got the strongest arm on the team, no doubt. But I think right now, Charlie McKee is the future of your program. And I don't know. I mean, can you guys give me a, a logical reason? Maybe tell me why I'm being illogical as to why McKee is sitting? Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't really understand what uh what Coach Priori is doing with, uh, with the whole quarterback thing. You know, season opener against Rhode Island, you know, uh, Coach – left it up to a game time decision to see if, um, you know, to reveal who was going to be the starter. And it was between Josh Zaymott and um, Darren Bryden. And uh, I think they both ended up playing a little bit. Yeah. They, they, they rotated quarters. Neither, neither did well. Uh, Zaymott, obviously, I mean, he moved the ball with his legs, but he's a quarterback, you know, and yeah, Ryan's first pass pick six. Yeah. And I mean, you know, neither of them were really doing too much. And then, you know, fifth game of the season, New Hampshire, you know, True freshman Charlie McKee, you know, he gets a he gets a shot at it and he balls out. He has a great game. Killed it. When yeah. when he was on the field, he was effective, you know. And then he had one bad game against Morgan State and he hasn't played since. You know, it's been all Darren since then. And Darren's been serviceable fine but yeah. you know it's not it's not his fault they're not losing games because darren bryden can't play i mean the defense is allowing what 34 points per game uh they're they're the worst rushing offense in the conference and obviously that deserves to be you know talked about more in depth because it's not like they can't run the football you know i mean uh, ross tallarico the best storyline of Stony Brook Athletics. That? Yeah, I mean this kid, I was I played I baseball against Ross Tallarico. He's my age. He, Tom Swag versus North Babylon. I, he was there. I remember him. And um he was a walk-on. He wasn't recruited by anybody. Uh not D1 not D1 scholarship at least. Um 
walk-on running back. What? Not even a walk-on running back. Walk-on free safety as a freshman. Uh, moved him to wide receiver out of necessity, and then moved him to running back out of necessity. Starts the year as the sixth string running back. Roland Dempster and Saban Niket uh, get hurt before the season begins. Now he's the fourth string running back. Tyson Lawton, the best running back in the conference up until this year. He gets hurt. Jaden Cook, Jaden Turner, the fourth and fifth running backs, they get hurt in the same game. All of a sudden, Ross Tallarico is thrust into the spotlight, and I think he's done well. But he's only one guy, and with Chuck Priore's offense, I, I think it's 62% run plays, so you know they're going to run the ball more often than not. I mean, Ross is only one guy. Ross takes a lot of hits now. And with the offensive line struggling as much as it has this year, with the lack of other running backs to to help spell Ross Tallarico, no Tyson, no Jaden Turner, no Jaden Cook, no Roland, no Seba, how are they going to run the ball, right? And this team, the success of this team is predicated on running the ball. So their strength was taken away from them early. And I think I think you realize how flawed the rest of this roster is. You know, one one unit cannot be the entire team. Uh, you know, I, I we get it. It's a valid excuse that they're bad because they can't run the ball. But, okay, the, the running backs get hurt, so the quarterbacks and the receivers have to step up. You know, the secondary has to take the ball away more. The pass rush has to get to the quarterback more. You know, you can't be two and nine or three and eight, whatever they finish as, just because your running backs got hurt. Doesn't work like that. And to add on that, but they're still trying to run the ball. They stay up 352 run attempts this year, only 287 pass attempts. So they're still trying to be that run heavy team that this program has been known for for years, but they're just not having success because of all the injuries. And but Ross Tarico had stepped up, but it's just not the same as it used to be. Yeah. No, and 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 look, I mean, and we love Ross, right? I, I I we're very happy that Ross earned his scholarship, much deserved, right? He's not Tyson Lawton. He's not Tyson Lawton. Last year, rushed for a thousand yards and ten touchdowns, and averaged five yards per carry, and led the CAA in every rushing statistic, just about, you know. And I think Ross would be better. I think Ross would have better statistics if Tyson were healthy. Maybe be a nice one-two punch. Yeah. Just haven't had to- that see that happen right and of course there is a silver lining to all of this right uh tyson lawton does have eligibility to return for next year who knows if he wants to but he does have eligibility to return for next year roland dempster will be back next year jaden cook will be back next year jaden turner will be back next year and ross tallarico would be foolish to not return next year uh now that he is a folk hero here so you know maybe a, a comeback season next year is in the cards but i don't see it they've got 11 sixth-year players, a lot of them very good sixth-year players, graduating this offseason. Kyle Nunez, probably the best offensive lineman in school history. He's done after this Saturday. Reggie Demanche, he was, I would say Reggie Demanche was their best defensive player this year. He's done. He's already done. He he suffered an injury against Morgan State. He's out. So, so Carthel Flowers Lloyd. Carthel Flowers Lloyd. Great breakout year, but yeah not as well yeah exactly. Yeah. Also our first podcast guest, too. We're gonna miss Carthel. Yeah. Um Cameron Lucas, their starting left tackle each of the last three seasons. Another guy out of eligibility. Eric Black, their leading sacker, out of eligibility. Khalil Newton, the team leader in receiving touchdowns, out of eligibility. So they're losing their best players, and they're already 2-9 and nine or 3-8. and eight. They're going to have to figure it out. And obviously, you know, the head coach himself entered the season on a uh, – you know, he, he was in a, a contract year. The Statesman received an anonymous tip – couple weeks ago that he was extended we did not believe it at first then i inquired and uh they did not confirm or deny it so it would almost 
certainly appear as though Chuck is coming back next year. And that's fine. We're not opinionated on the matter. It's I like Chuck. I think he's, you know, he's obviously had a good career here. If they want to bring him back, if they think he's the right man for the job, fine. But he obviously, it starts with him. He's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to build the rest of the roster better. So that way they are not live and die by the running backs. You know, you guys remember how bad the Mets used to be whenever the starting pitchers would get hurt this past year, DeGrom got hurt. Scherzer got hurt several times, but they won 101 games. That's because the rest of the team is now built. You know, it's not just starting pitching. The Seawolves, the Stony Brook football team, going to have to build the team around more than just the running back core. I wouldn't be surprised they pick up multiple players in the transfer portal this year. What other choice do they have? Yeah. And then and then obviously, I mean, the quarterback situation is uh is to be seen. And you know, I, I'm glad that you you mentioned the transfer portal. We've already seen several guys put their name in the transfer portal and the season's not even over yet, yeah. right? Jordan Jackson, who's who's been starting at strong safety for them this year because Akil Leyland, sixth year guy, good player, he's out of eligibility. Akil Leyland has been hurt, so Jordan Jackson has stepped up for him. And he put his name in the transfer portal. Chris Campbell put his name in the transfer portal. Josh Zamot put his name in the transfer portal already. There's still a game left to go, you know? So what are they going to do? You know, they're going to have to, they, they better hope that this 2023 recruiting class is very, very good. And then obviously, you know, McKee's got to develop, you know, he had the two bad games, obviously against Albany, he was a train wreck, you know, not all him, but that was a bad game. We know he's capable of, of uh, I mean, he's one of the best high school quarterbacks in New York State history. And that game he had on on homecoming is one of the best performances in Stony Brook history. So, so we know what he's capable of. And I think we have the faith that he'll be better. But obviously, he's got to prove it, too. He's got to beat out Darren Bryden. Or Darren Bryden's got to beat him out, you know? Someone's got to someone's gotta take control. This cannot be an uncertain position anymore. We can't be finding out the starting quarterback night one, right? That can't happen. Yeah. They've got to have a definitive QB one. So a lot to figure out for the Sony Brook football team. And I don't know how much time they have to figure it out. So yeah, that was not fun. Let's talk about the Sony Brook hockey team now and have some fun. Having said that, having said that, they themselves are in a bit of a tailspin right now, right? One and four in their last five games after starting off the season eight and oh, uh, ranked number sixth coming into the season. Fell to seventh. That's not a big drop off. Then they fell to 18th. That's a huge drop off. Now they're 20th. Matt, what's not going right on the ice for them? So some of these games they've lost has been close, but three of them have been to some ranked teams in Rhode Island and Liberty. And the first game at Liberty, I was really impressed, even though they lost six to five. They showed a lot of resiliency in that game. They were down early. They came all the way back. Then even when they surrendered two goals at the end of the game to make it 6-4. They scored right back 20 seconds later to make it a one-goal game again. And Pepe just missed out on a game-time shot with, like, five seconds left. So this team still has the talent to really compete at a high level, and I expect them to bounce back. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it, it seems right now as though their killer instinct has taken a hit. I mean, first of all, we can diagnose an actual problem and it's special teams, right? The power play unit has been horrible all season long and the penalty kill unit, which, you know, has been their strength. Uh, obviously earlier this year, it was at like 93% or something like that. They've taken a bit of a step back. I think we expect them to bounce back as the year goes on, but right now the special teams unit is not playing well. Having said that, it just looks like the killer instinct um, has gone away. They're definitely missing like that edge they had at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, he said the special teams is off such a hot start. Part of the reason, part of the problem is that the penalty t- 
penalty kill is elite, but the problem is they're taking too much penalties. That's having a profound impact on, on a lot of their games. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you look at, uh, I, I hate singling out athletes, but like uh, center Jesse Edwards this past weekend against, um, against why am I forgetting who it was against NYU? He gets ejected in game one, which, you know, wound up not mattering. They won 11 to two. I don't think that was, I don't think that was what NYU needed to score nine unanswered goals, but he gets ejected night one. And then in game two, he commits two penalties early, both lead to power play goals for NYU. And again, that they lost by two, you know, so the discipline it, it's, they've been undisciplined all year. It got better for a little, for, I don't know, like a three game stretch. And, and now it's back to where it once was. So they need to keep five bodies on the ice. Well, six, really. But you know what I mean. They, they, they need to keep five skaters on the ice. Um, also, health of the team is not helping. Yeah. Right. Um, defenseman and also assistant captain uh, Rob DeStefano. We had him on the podcast the day after it happened to him. But uh, the hockey team was at a charity event. Uh, some guy took issue with uh, with Mr. DeStefano and he swung his hockey club at him his hockey uh his hockey stick at him like a baseball bat and he broke rob's hand so rob's been out for a little bit obviously that's a huge loss of course at liberty two guys suffered a concussion andrew mancini and kyle nestepney now andrew mancini another leader on the team another assistant captain another very good defenseman who could also score he's found the score sheet a couple times here and there at least last year uh scoring numbers are down this year but andrew's a good player he's been out he missed the nyu series he will be back this weekend uh, center Greg Barnich, their second best scorer. He missed this past weekend with an injury. He will be back this weekend, though. Uh, so you know they're uh, they're definitely their health has not has not helped them. Obviously, Matt Minerva has been absent from the team. Um, we don't know when he'll be back, but we do know that he will be back eventually. Um, and then Kyle Nastepny, who you know alongside Andrew Mancini, suffered a concussion up at Liberty and. His status is up in the air. His concussion is a little bit worse than Mancini's. Obviously, Mancini, like we said, will be back this weekend. Nestepney, they're, they're still figuring it out. So they're without some of their best players. And obviously, any team that's without some of their best players is uh, is not going to play to full potential. Having said that, um, this is a, a great culture. This is a team with a great culture. It's a brotherhood. They're still 9-4 and four on the year. I'm not hitting the panic button anytime yeah, soon. Um and getting to know Coach Garofalo these past couple of months, I've, I'm confident his coaching ability, he'll be able to turn this around, the guys that he has in the locker room. Absolutely. And you know what? When you're 8-0 to start the year, you know, and, and you could do no wrong, when you're getting lucky, right, when you're winning these three-on-five penalty kills, uh, you know, when you beat an NCAA team in the fashion that they did, you start getting full of yourselves, you know, you kind of start, you're like, Ooh, eight and no, that sounds pretty good. Ooh, six in the nation. That sounds pretty good. They needed a one and four stretch, you know, now they know they're human. Now they know anybody can be beaten on any given day. I mean, you beat NYU 11 to two and then lose in your own home, home yard the day after. Right. So I think they've realized that they are human. They've realized that there's still work to be done and I'm not giving up on the uh, 20th best team in the nation. So I don't know about you guys, but this I, weekend will prove to be crucial to see if they could get things rolling again. Because 
They play Jamestown this week, who was ranked in the top 10. If they ever win that game, I think they could start building that momentum up again that we, that we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they they obviously, they've been a title contender every year for the past 22 years. I don't see why this team would be any different. Um, you know, give it a month and a half. You know, assuming that nobody gets injured, nobody currently healthy gets injured, give it a month and a half. They will have every single piece back. Hopefully even Stephanie will be back. Uh, Barnett will be back. Minerva will be back. Mancini will be back. I think they're going to be fine. So we're not pressing the panic button here. Now we're going to get into Kenny's favorite segment. We're going to talk some Stony Brook hoops. We'll start with the men's team. Kenny, go ahead. Take it away. The floor is yours. Yeah. So, I mean, this year it's kind of, it's, it's tough to figure out, you know, what this team's going to be, you know, the season opener play, uh, play Florida and, worst loss since 2016 right and they looked like stony brook playing florida it yeah. went exactly how you would expect it to go yeah you know and then second game uh against miami hamilton it's a junior college you know and you know got a little scary uh towards the halfway mark but ended up winning by 21 mm-hmm. and then third game of the season you know they play rhode island who um you know was zero and two coming into the matchup and lost by 10 but it was a tough game throughout right Definitely gave them a run for their money. It, I would say of the three games we've seen them play, because I, I really don't want to count the Miami-Hamilton game, even though it counts on their record and stats, I would say the most impressive game we've seen them play was the Rhode Island game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's kind of tough to gauge uh, what this team is going to be. You know, last year was a, it was a roller coaster. You know, had a, the best transfer class in the history of the program. You know, we got Julia Jenkins, um, you know, Elijah Alani, you know, he yep. was here and then went on a little hiatus and then uh, came back. We had, um, you know, Anthony Roberts uh, was second leading scorer in the America East or yep. first. Um, yeah, and tied the uh, single game school record for points. I yeah, think he put 40, up a 40 piece. Yeah. And then, you know, disaster struck uh, about halfway through the season. You know, the school announces that they're making the move from the America East to the CAA. And team got a little discouraged and um you know started losing some games and then before you know it you have a a lot of key uh key rotation guys leaving you know you see um Jaleel Jenkins having season-ending mouth surgery you see um Juan Felix Rodriguez leaving you have the Shumper brothers leave you have uh, Elijah Alani leave Mm -hmm. so then you know coming into this season it's almost a whole new team you know, only have four returning guys from last year's team um, right. and only two that were really in the rotation. And, uh, you know, t- um, Frankie Policelli and Tyler Stevenson more. And then, you know, lots of transfers, uh, not as star studded as last year, but still some real, you know, some real talented guys. Um, problem is, is that they haven't been able to see the floor. You know, uh, we saw, Dean Knoll, a transfer from Cornell. You know, he made the third team all Ivy League last year. Right. Uh towards ACL in the, you know, right before the season. You saw uh Sabri Phillip, uh, you know, Juco transfer, real talented scorer, uh Torres um Achilles. Achilles tendon. Yeah, good defender too. It was a big loss. Yeah. And then um, you know, and then Aaron Clark, um, you know, four-year player at Sacred Heart. What made one of the uh, one of the All NEC teams last year? Uh, one of the conference's leading uh, passers, yeah, like free throw shooter. Yeah, he was, and he's a really, really talented point guard that can 
you know, he can score and he can facilitate. And we haven't seen him yet this year. He uh, sat with a back injury and, um, you know, Coach Chino Ford hasn't, you know, really been able to tell us when he's going to be back because I don't think he knows. I don't think Aaron knows. <laughs> right. um, and Gino, you know, Gino is not a man of, of little words. So. Yeah, you know, I know, I know Gino told us that, um, you know, he, he might be back tomorrow. He might be back in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months. You know, the back is, you know, it's better when it's better. There's no real timetable for it. You know, so they've been playing without those guys. And then, you know, we have some – have some important freshmen coming on. Toby Onyakanwu has been the the starting point guard thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jared Fry was, um, you know, Gino said uh, is the best shooter to step foot in uh, Island Federal Arena. So <laughs> that's high praise for you know a eighteen nineteen year old. So yeah, and now he's wearing a walking boot. Yeah, yeah, as is um as is everyone else on this team apparently. <laughs> yeah, so. It's it's tough to judge when they're not there, you know. Like, yeah. are, are we really judging the Stony Brook men's basketball team? Because the Stony Brook men's basketball team is is a team comprised of what thirteen or fifteen players, and we're only seeing eight of them. But that's the whole team. Yeah, you know, everyone's out. Um, obviously, Leon Nahar, another talented freshman, six foot ten. Um, he's done. Six to eight weeks with a with an ankle injury. Yeah. Um. And you know we're seeing guys now that we've never seen before, right? Tanaj Petway, who was hurt last year, he's uh he's getting some minutes, and you know it looks like he's playing well, but it's way too early to tell yeah. anything with this men's basketball team. They're gonna have to get healthy, and I don't know how it's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean there have been some some real bright spots. You know, uh, Keenan Sarvan, uh, uh, transfer from junior college. You know, he's been. Uh, our one of our best scorers so far. Yeah, you aside know, from the Rhode Island game. Yeah, aside we'll, from we'll the, give him a mulligan. The zero for ten from three in the Rhode Island game. Um, you know, in I know you don't want to count that Miami Hamilton game, but he had twenty nine points. Uh, shot six for nine from three. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's a he's a gifted passer. He's a really good ball handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good size at six ten. He's been starting at power forward, and then um, you know, Keenan Fitzmorris. Uh transferred from Stanford, played there for four years and didn't really see the floor too much. Yeah, 18 career games played, uh, two seasons in which he didn't play, right? One was a redshirt freshman, one then, was an injury. And he had, a, I believe it was shoulder surgery, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there was a COVID year, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, and uh, and he's actually, I think, been probably their, their dare I say, best player. I mean, he's he's done some good things on the floor so far for them. He's been their most efficient, I would say. Uh, did not have a, a good first game, but against Miami Hamilton and against Rhode Island, I thought he played really well. Yeah, I mean the my you know the my or the uh, the Florida game. I mean, you're playing against Colin Castleton, who's you know one of the best players in the country. So yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a tall order from mm-hmm. uh, a guy that you know hasn't really played organized basketball in a while you know he missed all of last season and then before that he was kind of glued to the bench for a while he hasn't played consistent minutes in games that matter since high school right and i mean he scored six points i think in that uh in that first game and that was his career high yeah and then of course he put up like 10 each of the last two nights or whatever and uh you know things have uh things have definitely gotten better for him i think he looks good they're they're seven footer uh, very valuable player. Obviously, you know we love Kane Roberts too. Very good ball handler. Um, hasn't done a whole lot of scoring because he hasn't really gotten the shot right yet. But he actually looks good to me. He looks fast. Um, got active hands. 
he's passing well, you know, he's he's facilitated off the bench. I think he looks really good. So I think we're going to see more of Kane Roberts moving forward. Um, Matt, you got anything to, to add with the men's um, team? Yeah, I think this, we're going to see this team get better as the season goes on. Obviously, with all these new faces, I think they've seen some time to be kind of gel together. I think as the season, as we head toward the final stretch season, they, they might pick up some momentum, get some wins maybe. Right. And, of course, uh, picked to finish ninth in the CAA, ninth out of 13. However, each of the last two teams picked to finish ninth in the preseason polls won the conference. So, you know, there is that. Record may not reflect it right now, and the roster may not reflect it right now, but I think I think they they have the potential to be good. I think Aaron Clark coming back is going to be very big. Right. Um, Preseason you know, all CAA honorable mention. You know, and I think Tyler and Frankie, you know, need to – they still have a little bit of adapting to do. They've been here for a while, but this is the first time that they're the guys. Yeah. You know, they're – you know, everybody else looks up at these guys, you know, they're the two captains, mm-hmm. you know, last year, you know, they were both in their rotation and they both had all right years, but they were role yeah, players. They yeah. were role players. Yeah. I mean, you, you would call at least three other guys names before four other guys names before thinking about Tyler or, uh, or Frankie, I mean, yeah. Jaleel, Anthony, Elijah, and then Tyke. Mm-hmm. And then you got essentially Tyler and Frankie are role players, Tyler three and D Frankie, you know, catch and shoot three guy. Now they're, full-time starters on the front court and team captains. Yeah. So, you know, big step up for them. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, new conference. <laughs> so, so. Do you have uh, any thoughts about Gino? Uh, that's my guy, man. I mean, look, Gino, I'm obviously concerned with the amount of guys that quit on him last year. Having said that, this team looks fun. It looks like they're happy. It looks like they're having fun. A lot of good personalities in that locker room. I mean, Kane Roberts, we heard we heard the audio clip of his interview with Jonah when we profiled him for Hoopla. What a down-to-earth guy, well-traveled, constantly bouncing between the U.S. and Tokyo. And he's a he's a professional athlete. He's played professional ball. You know, Keep, both Keenans are cool. Keenan Sarvan telling you before the season he's going to be shooting eight to 12 threes per game, and he wasn't lying. Was I thought lying. he was exaggerating. I was wrong. You know, Keenan Fitzmorris, another good kid. They've got a lot of good personalities on this team it doesn't look like they have any selfish guys yeah i mean last year last year was tough because you had you know six seven guys on the roster that you know in years prior they were the guy Mm -hmm. even like juan felix rodriguez was an all-conference player for them Mm -hmm. and now he's the backup point guard you know how how are you going to take that role well yeah i mean you know you can you kind of look at it like you know kind of like the uh the 2021 Nets of, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, all guys that are some of the best scorers in the league. There's only one basketball. Yeah. And there's only five positions and, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a tough one. Now, speaking of five positions, why don't we talk about the women's basketball team? We love the women's team. They are awesome. Uh, head coach, Ashley Langford. She's legit. You know, she's an interesting one too, because it's like, Last year, last year's team goes 23 and six. Okay. Yeah. They were dominant. They were supposed to be dominant. Also wasn't her team, right? Former head coach, Caroline McCombs put that team together. You know, you got Leo Amari Wool, Mackenzie Boucher, Erlette Scott, India Pagan. Those were McCombs's players. 
So Langford comes in and, and wins with them. And obviously anybody who's looking to nitpick or judge can be like, oh yeah, but that's not really Langford's team. This year is unequivocally Langford's team because all of those girls I just mentioned have graduated. She's brought in her own transfer class. She's brought in her own freshman recruiting class. And this team looks awesome. This team is certifiably awesome. And by the way, the whole CAA knows it newcomers to the conference they were picked to finish third in the uh in the uh, preseason polls so how about that i mean obviously it's not going to get much more impressive than it uh than it did last thursday night yeah oh no i'm sorry monday night monday night you know you're down 26 to 8 after one you're down by 26 early in the second quarter and you wind up winning that game banned the game on a 61 to 33 stretch is complete flip the switch and dominate the rest of the game really it was stupid yeah uh, i mean and annie warren who you know we kenny and i were talking about this yesterday is she the best player in the conference make the argument for it yeah i mean she was first team all america east right 28 points two games in a row yeah and i mean and annie warren you know not only 28 points in back-to-back games but an efficient 28 points 28 points on 20 shots on monday 28 points on 17 shots last thursday She's averaging 21 points per game right now. You can't stop her. And by the way, I don't see this slowing down. The non-conference teams they're playing are better than their conference opponents. They played Syracuse. Okay, Manhattan's not very good, but they played Syracuse and Iona. Iona shot 50% and then 41% from deep against them. Yeah, I mean these I are legitimate. Still beat them. Yes, these are legitimate teams. And Annie is is going off. When, once conference season begins, how do you stop her? I have a feeling Annie Warren is going to win conference MVP. Yeah, she she definitely could. Um, if she's not, you know, already one of the best players in conference, she obviously is one of them. Um, you know, obviously a very talented scorer. And then you saw in the fourth quarter of that Iona game, very good perimeter defender. Yeah, she, she was way. she was locking up. She was a big reason as to why they were able to make that comeback. Mm-hmm. And Iona's, you know, they're a talented team. You know that that first second quarter, Stony Brook looked dead in the water. Yeah, it was it was, it got ugly. You know, mm-hmm. twenty down twenty six. Um, you know, and then halftime. You know, Ashley Langford gave her must have gave her team a, a real good pep talk. <laughs> uh, you know, third quarter, Annie comes out, goes on a big run. Fourth quarter, that was for her backcourt mate Gigi Gonzalez. Um, which you know I think he, this might be. The best backcourt in the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, Gigi, she ended with 24 points. She's been she's been really good. Yeah. Now Gigi has stepped it up in a big way. And obviously, this is her second year as a starter. Gigi's been here forever. I think Gigi might be in her fourth year. She might even be a fifth-year player. Is she a grad student? She's a senior. She's a senior. Okay, yeah. So Gigi, obviously, I mean, you know, she's been here for a while. She's a fourth-year player, but this is her second full year as a starter. And she needed that first year because Yes, she was good last year, but she was inefficient. I mean, you know, we were just talking about Annie Warren, 28 points on 20 shots, 28 points on 17 shots. Gigi averaged about 10 points per game last year, but shot 32% from the floor. You know, that's not that's not the best. That's that's obviously she knows she's capable of doing way better. And this year so far, three games in, we are seeing a very efficient Gigi Gonzalez. I mean, look, Annie Warren, obviously the best shooting guard in the conference perhaps the best shooter scorer in the conference, perhaps the best player in the conference, but Gigi is a top five point guard in the conference. 
And yeah, obviously, sure. as the season goes on and we get to see more point guards, we could probably we could probably narrow down that uh that top five ranking to top three, top two, top one. You know, it's possible. And obviously, for as talented as Annie is, and remember, Annie was also a, she was a swing guard in high school. She she knows how to play point guard. Gigi, what a passer she is, right? I, she yeah. she's got great court vision. She gets her teammates involved. She makes her teammates better. I don't know what her passing numbers are right now, but but the numbers aren't always reflected. Obviously, basketball doesn't do hockey assists or soccer assists. Yeah. But you know whether she's finding the open shooter or she's finding someone who finds the open shooter, she's a great ball mover. Oh, and by the way, she can go get you twenty a night, just like Annie can. Yeah, and Gigi is one of those players that she does things that might not show up in the box score. Mm-hmm. You know. Just because you know her assist numbers aren't that great, you can tell that her everybody else on the floor in a Stony Brook jersey is more comfortable when Gigi is on the floor. Right, which is probably why she's playing thirty-eight minutes a night yeah. <laughs> in forty-minute contests. Um, and I also think that a big reason why she's grown so much. And look, it, it, we're we're being premature. It's three games in. Obviously, anything awful can happen. I think you know you look at Charlie McKee, and after one day, he was the best quarterback in school history, and then the next day, he was he lost his job, right? But you know, so anything can go wrong for Gigi. But but I think we are looking at a much better and more mature Gigi Gonzalez in her second year as a starter. And Daisha Almond is a big reason for her step up. Daisha, obviously a point guard, and she's a prototypical point guard. You know, I mean, she she can go and score, but she's pass first and defense. She's a team-friendly player. Um, the presence of Daisha has clearly rubbed off on Gigi. Yeah, I mean, Daisha's been – she's been great when she's been on the floor. You know, in the season opener against Syracuse, she had 15. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that she's very she's, – she's a ball handler, you yeah. know, which is – She's been in the starting lineup. You she's know, she's a small forward. He's been at the three, and mm-hmm. um, I think I think that's a great move by Ashley Langford. Yeah. I think having three bona fide ball handlers in the starting lineup, and then two very talented bigs, are it's just a recipe for, for success. Yeah. The question is if Daisha can stay on the floor. You know, yeah. we saw in um against you know, Manhattan against Manhattan, she got poked in the eye, didn't come back. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Iona, she went down uh, I think it was the second quarter and then she came back uh, in crutches later in the game right so. did not return and I, and that one obviously that looks a little more severe when you're on crutches so if they lost her that's huge because not only are you losing I mean you're you're losing literally everything by losing Deja Ullman because you're losing veteran experience right she's a grad student fifth year player you're losing passing you're losing scoring on the interior. You're losing size, right? She's 5'9". She's probably the tallest guard on the team. Um, and, I mean, she's the best defensive guard on the team. And that's saying something because yeah. Annie can defend. Gigi is – Two crucial steals. They don't not win that awesome. game without her defensive performance. She is awesome on the defensive yes. end. And I think Daisha's better. So, like, what is that? What is – you know, what does that say? Yeah. So, if, they, if she's, like, out for an extended period of time, that's bad. But – Luckily, she'll still be around to talk to them. It's veteran leadership. You know, whenever Gigi or Annie needs a pep talk, well, Annie probably won't need a pep talk, but, but you know, whenever Gigi needs a pep talk, you know, her elder statesman point guard has got her. Um, and now I think it's time we talk about the bigs because Kenny obviously alluded to the fact that they have two talented bigs, but 
Oh boy, did they have two talented bigs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sharice has been awesome. Um, you know, she had the she she won the game for for Sony Brook. Uh, literally, Ariana, literally yeah. on both ends. Yeah, she yeah. had the put back to put him ahead, and then she had you know she's a great defender. Oh yeah, uh, she's really you know she's six two. She's she's big. Yeah, um, length. She's a presence in the post. She's averaging a double double right now. She's a great rebounder, mm-hmm. and she is she's really important to this team. And also you know her uh, her front court mate Narimar Vargas Reyes. Um, you know she was here last year. She. She's a top ten rebounder last year. Yeah, not even a top minutes getter. Like Narimar wasn't even the sixth yeah, she, player. She was playing behind uh, India Pagan and uh, it was India Pagan at center, Leo Amari Wool at power forward, and then off the bench there was Mackenzie Boucher, who was the reigning sixth player of the year. Yeah, and she's also the the school's all time leader in field goal percentage. And then there was Narimar, right? So Narimar was their fourth big, and she was top ten in the conference in rebounding this year. She gets a chance to start at the four or the five, wherever Langford feels like it. I guess Narimar is the shorter of the two, so she probably by default gets the uh and plus she's the better shooter so she probably by default gets the four yeah but narimar has been awesome you know and she missed a game obviously we don't know why uh but she missed a game came back put up a double double so obviously she didn't miss a beat she's very athletic uh crashes the glass she's good inside she's got some perimeter game to her she's a winner uh very experienced right global experience she's played in the uh in the world cup representing her home yeah right representing her home country of puerto rico so you know you know what you're gonna get from them you're gonna get a lot of good defense a lot of good rim protection a lot of rebounding they're not going to be giving up too many uh second chance opportunities just like last year it may not be india pagan and leo mari wool cleaning up the glass this year but they're still going to be cleaning up the glass and uh, and by the way, too, another note on Sharice Pittman, James Madison transfer. Um, James Madison was in the CAA and Ashley Langford was the assistant head coach at James Madison. If you are one of our thousand loyal listeners and you listen to the Ashley Langford interview, Sharice um, was recruited by Langford at James Madison. So this is just a perfect fit for us you know yeah. it, 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 she might as well have been here for several years yeah i, I think charise has been great she's been doing uh you know some really good things uh she needs to improve on her scoring she's only shooting 36 percent from the field right now yeah definitely That's- and i i think um you know i think if she uh you know upped her game uh, as a passer a little bit you know she doesn't got to be nicole Jokic out there but no. <laughs> but uh you know i think if she got more comfortable uh when the doubles come then um then that would unlock a lot because you could tell a little bit especially in the iona game she's very good at getting deep post position and she's a good post scorer but once you know the defense brings the double she panics mm-hmm. she panics and she either puts up a bad shot or she turns it over yeah right but then again, I guess ten rebounds per game kind of uh kind of helps. So and two blocks a game as well. Yeah, six of their ten blocks have come from Therese Pittman. Yeah, no, she's uh she's a beast and she's quick too. You know, for for a big six two lanky athletic and quick. It's uh this is obviously a much faster team. You know, Coach Langford told Matt Howland before the season began this is going to be a much more athletic team, and she wasn't lying. That was not smoke and mirrors. You know, we've gotten some smoke and mirrors from coaches during. Uh, season previews and whatnot i think ashley langford was probably the most honest yeah so um having said that that is the current state of stony brook athletics obviously uh more to come more stories to come 
We will cover the Chuck Priori contract extension in the coming days. We will see what uh, happens with the football team and the transfer portal and uh, in the offseason. Uh, we'll see if this is indeed the worst or just tied for the worst team ever. Hockey, we await their in-season turnaround. Men's soccer and women's soccer, we'll see what happens with them. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm Mike. This is Kenny. This is Matt. On behalf of all of us, Thank you for listening.